Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. In today's podcast, we feature an episode of Contractor Evolution from Breakthrough Academy. In this episode, Benji and Igor talk with Morgan Ray from Bookkeeping for Trades about why bookkeeping is so frustrating for contractors and the three traits you should be looking for when you hire a bookkeeper. Welcome back to Contractor Evolution. Benji and Igor here from the studio. You more than likely didn't start your business to stare at QuickBooks, reconcile receipts, or painstakingly track every expense right down to the penny. You started your business because you had a vision, you wanted to lead, uh, you wanted to create something, and being an entrepreneur was the best vehicle for that. While your big picture thinking is critical to success, let's not forget that at the end of the day, your business needs to make money. And this part of the equation can be extremely difficult without solid bookkeeping and accounting systems. You can build teams, you can build process all you want, but if your business doesn't reliably generate profit, you won't be playing this game for very long. Now, while this concept is simple enough to understand, it's a lot harder to implement. Let's not kid ourselves, right? Tracking financial data really well and using it to make the right decisions does require great accounting infrastructure and the right person to do it diligently. The good news is that that person does not need to be you. Your responsibility is to assemble the right people around you that can get this done successfully. However, the bad news, as we all know, is that a lot of bookkeepers can often be pretty incompetent, quite unreliable, or just sometimes straight up shady. And as a busy business owner, it can be pretty hard to find the true pros that are out there. To shed some light on this thorny issue, we have Morgan Ray on the show, managing partner at Bookkeeping for Trades, a professional bookkeeping firm built exclusively for entrepreneurs in the trades and construction space. Morgan's firm has managed the accounting cycle for over 200 trades businesses, helping them gain true financial clarity and increased margins. In today's episode, she demystifies what a great bookkeeper does and perhaps more importantly, what they do not do. She explains what the monthly bookkeeping cycle should look like and where you, the business owner, come into that picture. And lastly, she shares with us the crucial security pieces every contractor needs to have in place to avoid fraud, embezzlement, or a nasty call from the tax man. So let's talk about how to solve that eternal bookkeeping puzzle with Morgan Ray. You're watching Contractor Evolution, where we unpack the systems, tactics, and skills you need to take your fast-growing contracting business to the next level. You're here to learn what it takes to scale up, work less, and increase profitability. You've come to the right place. Stay tuned to learn what separates the new breed of contractor from the old school and welcome to your ultimate guide on the business of contracting. Hey, before we get started, make sure you subscribe to this channel. It really helps us produce all this awesome content for you totally for free. Morgan, thank you for joining us. Uh, it's great to have you in studio. Morgan has come from thousands of miles away in Nevada to join us here at the studio. So thanks for being here. Thank you guys so much for having me up. I am very excited to be in the majesty of Canada. <laughs> We're excited <laughs> to have you. Um, so I want to start with uh, this question. 
this bookkeeping and accounting piece is a very difficult, painful, frustrating element of business for a lot, a lot, a lot of contractors, as you know. Why is that the case? You know how people like to say um, it's not personal; it's just business, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But, but we all know it's it's all very, very personal. <laughs> um, and when it comes to accounting, honestly, people just have incredibly complicated emotions when it comes to money and financial management. And there are a lot of hangups. There's a lot of kind of, I think, shame and guilt that goes around with um, managing money and how we spend money. Just our relationships with money are very, very complicated. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's one big part of it, especially in the contracting space. So many business owners come from a variety of very diverse backgrounds. And they're so absorbed with all of the other elements of the business, all of Mm. the production pieces and managing people that the accounting piece is very often it's very low on the list of priorities because it's not absolutely vital to get that done in order to keep the business moving one step in front of the other. Um, And so I think because of that, it kind of gets neglected and it just compounds a lot of these negative feelings that a lot of business owners can have around it. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed that emotional, like that emotional kind of connection to it. It is, um, it's a piece that, that, that people almost like don't want to look at. I've seen, I've seen that over and over again. Why is that? Why is there this emotional kind of attachment to it? You know, I really think that one of the best ways to describe it is that accounting is inherently, it's very much a maintenance task, right? Mm -hmm. And we know that a lot of the personalities of most business owners and and trades contractors, especially um, very highly motivated, high competency individuals that are really driven towards achievement. And at the end of the day, maintenance type tasks like accounting that feel inherently retrospective, they're kind of looking back in time doing those things and paying attention to them, it's like brushing your teeth. It doesn't feel like achievement. It doesn't feel mm-hmm. like you're you're driving to that next step, that next goalpost. So I feel like most business owners are always going to be more oriented towards those pieces that they get that dopamine rush, that sense of achievement towards. And so again, this kind of gets, it gets neglected. And then it snowballs. It's something that they haven't been cleaning their room. They haven't yeah. been brushing their teeth. And then they're like, oh, I really just, I don't want to look at that. Yeah, I, I, think, I think as well, what, what I observe a lot of the time is they feel like they ought to know more than they do. They're like, I run this big business. And yet my like technical understanding of the books, my P&L, my chart of accounts, like all of this stuff, it's actually like, it's like, I hope nobody finds out. You know what I mean? totally. like that's that's the part where it's like uh, it's kind of this hidden away, hidden tucked away part of their business game and then when you do pull it up and you do go deep into it which I'm sure you do I'm sure it's it's quite an uncomfortable process for them oh yeah I would say almost every business uh, the skeletons in that business's closet are, <laughs> yeah. are holding the books right like that's where that's where the books live um, I I really tie it back a lot to kind of the way I think a lot of people probably feel about any kind of advanced mathematics. Like when we're right. talking about calculus or geometry and things, it's it, it lives in a space that's sort of abstract. And if you're not doing that constantly, it's not something that feels comfortable for you. You don't feel proficient in it. So then you kind of shy away from it. But also those things are inherently distasteful until you can really find a useful component to it. When you Mm -hmm. really can identify the utility of what this can do for you and you can tie it back to what does this mean for day-to-day operations and what I'm trying to achieve, making it useful really pulls it all together. And I think that's what makes it a lot easier for business owners to engage in it more fully. Yeah. Like they don't maybe necessarily see the purpose of it 
all the time until until they start to do it well and that becomes clear how, how powerful it really is. Um, but to that earlier point, I totally agree with you. I see this time and time again, there's like a natural personality trait of a high performing entrepreneur where you like, there's a vision and you want to go out and make that vision happen. You're seeing the big picture and everything you want to go and drive marketing and drive sales and hire great people and lead them well. And those are all very different natural personality traits and natural uh, strengths and skill sets than are to sit down and analyze data retrospectively and understand some accounting concepts and this and that. So um, it's so common, right, Benji? Like we see it all the time. It's it's. I think that this is something that ninety plus percent of entrepreneurs in contracting have a challenge with for all those reasons, big but and small, big and small, yeah. and, and it's mainly because you're just naturally wired differently mm-hmm. as a serious entrepreneur, and that's okay. Totally. Right? You need to be. You, you need to be, exactly. So, so Morgan, let's, let's, um, let's demystify this a little bit. I want to get into kind of the key question of um, what does the right bookkeeper, the bookkeeping kind of an accounting duo, um, that whole mechanism, that whole system, what does it look like um, when the process is being done properly? What does a great bookkeeper do? Yeah, to get to what a really good bookkeeper does and what good bookkeeping looks like, I think it's really useful to kind of unpack the purpose behind the whole thing. And so I think where a lot of business owners kind of get caught up is really the way that I like to explain it is that I really think that there are two different types and focuses in the accounting and in the bookkeeping sphere. And the way that I try to articulate that is I'd like to think of it that a lot of the industry is really focused towards what we call compliance accounting Mm -hmm. versus like a managerial or an operational accounting perspective. And so how I would distinguish between those two things is that a, a compliance accounting is what most people are really familiar with. It's the bare necessity. We kind of just put in the minimum level of detail to make sure that we're meeting our legal obligations. We're doing our tax filings. You know, it's just it's, it's all looking back in time just enough to make sure that we're checking those boxes and we kind of get the tax man off of our back. Mm-hmm. Um, now, at its in its highest form, accounting is really, it's a it can be a really elegant system of organization. Mm-hmm. And so that's one thing that I really like to emphasize is that this is, at the end of the day, it's a system of organization. It has some flexibility here so that it can be used to its best benefit for you as a business owner. So stylistically, you might think about things a little bit differently and that could be um, manifest in your accounting system so that it's more useful for you for this operational accounting or what we call managerial accounting. And the difference there is that, you know, whenever you're running a business or you're managing production or operations, you are faced with decisions constantly. Mm -hmm. And the decisions that you make are only as good as the information that you're basing those decisions on. And at the end of the day, that's all going to be coming through your accounting system. It's all of the financial information. It's the vital signs of what's going on in the business. So for making really good decisions, you need frequent updates, you need Mm -hmm. a high level of detail, and it needs a lot of context that can be applied to the real world for you and your management team so that you are you know, as informed as possible while you're doing everything that's vital yeah. to the business day in and day out. It's such a good distinction, right? Like when, when, when I look back at it, um, so I spent five years in university, I have an honors degree in accounting and, and those are two distinctly kind of different elements is, is like the financial accounting side of things for, for compliance to the IRS or the CRA and, and t- separate, very separate is the whole managerial accounting 
approach. And when I think, you know, coming back to what I was saying, when I think back to it now, like I don't remember or care for any of that compliance stuff. Mm. What I care a lot about, and to be honest, I quite enjoy is this, is this managerial side of, side of, of, of the accounting process. Cause that's where you really get to see the scorecard of, of how the business is doing. And you get to use that stuff to make really great decisions. And you're totally right. There's a lot of creativity in how you want to structure that to make sense for you as a leader. That's the utility piece she was talking about piece, where yeah. it's like, if you don't have that, this does just seem like a chore. If you're doing the bare minimum to get the tax man off your back, it, it, it doesn't have um, any strategic importance. It doesn't really help no. you make decisions. It doesn't help you explore new opportunities for the business in the future. And so it's, it's just always going to be this like not fun, really boring thing that we, we have to do. But when it gets to the level that you're describing, it's like, whoa, it's like you're turning the lights on in a dark room. You're like, I can, I can see what's going on here. And all of a sudden this is really useful. hundred percent. Right. And, and, and the, the, where the parallel really comes in coming back to that whole personality style and preference piece is that, um, I think a lot of entrepreneurs are quite competitive. Um, like a big part of my background right prior to business was, was, it was in competitive sports. And, um, the, this whole concept of like, how are we doing? Like, like what is the score? That's where this accounting stuff comes from, right? Like that's, that's where it comes in rather. Uh, that's where you get to see how you're doing against your plan. This is, this is the scorecard. And, and that's what kind of makes it, makes it fun when you, when you do get, get to that point. So Morgan, tell us a bit about like, if, if, if someone's bookkeeper on a month-to-month basis is really doing what they should be, uh, what are the kind of things that they are involved in? And, and, and what are they handling um, sort of where, where the business owner's hands off, like the, the bookkeeper fully has it? Yeah, I like how we've been diving into a little bit more about the personality components here, because mm-hmm. I feel like that's such an important piece of understanding and setting not just realistic expectations, but designing roles and procedures here for the business owner, the management team, and the bookkeeping staff or the administrative staff that really set everyone up for success. So we want to get really clear guidelines on what's included in this and what's not, and how can we make sure that everyone has the tools that they need to succeed. So when I think about a really good bookkeeping system and a really good bookkeeper, what what a really high-functioning bookkeeper is doing, I kind of think of it in a few different functions. So the first function is that they're handling all of the data. They're handling all of the transactions, any kind of financial information, bills and invoices and receipts that are running through the business. So when you're first designing kind of what your SOPs, what your procedures and the business are going to look like, the business owner is going to have to be a little bit more involved in that initial design phase as far as ensuring that everyone who has their hands in any kind of purchasing or invoicing, that that information's all flowing mm-hmm. to the bookkeeper. Mm-hmm. So we need the bookkeeper to be the hub of all of this transactional information that's coming through the business. Um, and a good bookkeeper is going to be really good at identifying what information they need access to and being able to go pursue that information from the different sources. Now, the one exception to that is that we wanna be really mindful of security protocols. So depending on the size of the organization, usually there are gonna be a few pieces of information or accessibility um, that are really reserved for the business owner. And so that's gonna be Mm -hmm. direct access, transactional access to certain bank accounts or credit cards or things that you as a business owner are gonna need to set aside some time to pull statements once a month for the bookkeeper so that they can finish this last layer, the reconciliation part of their process. But basically we want the bookkeeper to have the responsibility of pulling all of that information together, and that's part one. Part two is going to be 
adding the context to that data. So um, in computer science, they're you know really fond of identifying these two different things. Data is just numbers. It's essentially yeah. meaningless. That's how a lot of people feel about their accounting. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that context piece is really where this turns into something useful. A good bookkeeper needs to understand enough about your industry and your business to properly organize these things into the different buckets the way that you have designed your system to be useful for you. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be a really important piece here. They need to have that level of understanding that they're adding context and they're putting things in the right spot so that the management team and the business owner can come in down the line and get something that's useful out of the accounting system. So really the big functions and focuses here are accountability for making sure that there's no holes in the information because if we're looking at just part of the picture, it's essentially useless. Yep. Um, we don't, we can't know what we don't know. And so that's a big problem. So the bookkeeper needs to be really accountable to making sure all of the pieces of information are accounted for, or they're flagging the pieces that mm -hmm. they're lacking for some reason, and that they need to get some help on pulling those pieces in. And then being that organizational piece, they're pulling it all together so that it's useful for the rest of the ops team. So there's this natural personality style, a natural trait to want to be thorough and have all the check boxes checked, right? Where you're like, hey, well, I don't know where these three transactions came from or what they are. I need clarity. I'm going to go get it and ask the right people the right questions versus stuff it into one of these accounts on the side, right? Absolutely. I've... That's one of the things that I found most fascinating about getting to work in this industry as an accounting professional. But in my role, um, I feel really privileged to get to kind of be that interface between a lot of business owners and bookkeeping professionals and tax professionals on our team, because it's been really interesting for me to really see how these two personality types are very different, but it's what really makes them excel in these different areas. So all of the bookkeeping and tax professionals that I've worked with that are really motivated by their work and they enjoy that job, they're highly technical, technically minded people. They're very detail oriented. They're incredibly good at taking a process and executing every step of it um, and seeing it through to completion. But in turn, that means that they're also the personality type that they're not going to be satisfied if they can't complete and execute yeah. that plan. Um, and I think that that's a really big point of friction that we see with a lot of business owners mm -hmm. because, like I said, accounting feels very much like a maintenance task. It's not the thing that we need to focus on when there are fires to be put out. Um, and so that can be kind of a sticking point between the personality types of these technically minded people that are trying really hard to put everything together. They've got a cyclical process and they want to complete this project, move on to the next phase. And if there are things being held up or things that they can't get access to, that's a really big point of frustration all around, I think. Mm -hmm. That rub point is really, really, really common. You'll see a, a bookkeeper that's like upset or having their afternoon ruined because they can't find a specific receipt or they don't understand what this expense was. And they're kind of breathing down the neck of the business owner who simultaneously and is like trying to sign a huge sales. contract. I got to hire like, these two guys. Yeah, like, and they're, gotta, and they're yeah, like, totally. they're like, can you like buzz off? Like I'm like doing something really important right now. Mm -hmm. But it's like to that, to this bookkeeper, that is extremely important to them. And mm -hmm. it, I think it's a, there's a message here, which is like you kind of want someone that is in your corner that is, um, you know, technically minded enough, neurotic enough to be like, I need that receipt right now. 
that's a good thing. So don't like, don't squash that spirit. Actually find a way. I'm sure yeah. we'll talk a little bit about how to manage that relationship. You want to cultivate that like synergistic thing between the big picture yeah. and, and the small picture. And the details. Absolutely. It's a really fine balancing line there and that relationship because as the business owner, it can feel like that's small potatoes. That's not something yeah. that I need to be focused on right now. But it is the bookkeeper's responsibility to, again, hold you as the business owner accountable to the fact that we need these pieces put together. You can get yourself into a lot of trouble by letting these things snowball out of control. And that can be really hard to see in the moment whenever, you know, sometimes the business owner is struggling with that, too, that they're really bogged down in a few of these things and they're not seeing the big picture of what they really need overall to make the business healthy and successful. So, yeah, it's a it's there's definitely a very delicate give and take there. Exactly. And I think the really key point here that, that, that I think listeners should really come away with is, is that a good bookkeeper should, they should have that desire to check all the boxes to get, to do things thoroughly and to track down everything they need to without your involvement. Right. When I, when I think about uh, the way that I work with our financial controller, I don't need to babysit to make sure that she tracks down all the data that, that, that she needs. Um, in order to have reporting done properly for the end of the month. I know that she is going to go to all of our staff to ask the right questions. She's going to go external to external vendors to get all the right answers. I don't need to worry about this stuff. And I think that's a really big sign of a good bookkeeper that you can trust that they've got it because they are so thorough and, de- and, and, and detailed on this. So some of the stuff that might annoy you mm-hmm. are the same things that are going to drive them to just go get it done without all these emails and all these questions having to go through you. I think that's um, a really key expectation that you as a business owner should set with your with your administrative staff, your bookkeeping staff, and probably all the other members of your staff too. Mm-hmm. That at the end of the day, it's their responsibility to parse through a lot of this these details and this information, and they need to come to you with something that's concise, right? It needs to be put together in a framework that you can get them a very quick answer um, it needs to be very directed, you know, the questions and requests that they're bringing to you rather than just kind of this nebulous, ah, I've got problems. Yeah. Set yeah, that exactly. expectation. Yeah. They're, they're, they're willing to, and, and they're good at going to, to kind of to track that stuff down and they, and they can go build enough relationship with, with people on the team and externally where they can go get that information and be able to sort it effectively. And they'll know that, that, okay, this purchase was actually for this account, not that one, because they know enough about the context of the business. They're, they're inquisitive enough to be able to go do that and they can make decisions and say, well, you know, if we spent, you know, whatever it is, $30,000 on the studio gear here, mm-hmm. that should be capitalized. It's not an expense. They, they can ask the right questions to be able to figure that stuff out. I think it's important too. I just I'll make a comment here. A lot of people, but um, more junior entrepreneurs, I'll, I'll talk to the, those sort of like, like well, I, I downloaded QuickBooks. So like it's doing it. It's like, no, it's like a p- like yeah. a piece of software can help, but it's not going to add the context to the data to create usable information in the way that you think it will. So don't like think that that's a blanket statement solution just because you like got some software to help you with this. There does, you do need to have an eye for the flows of the business, who your vendors are, who your customers are, Absolutely. you know, these checks coming in. It's, it's, there, there's, there's, you need a human mind. Um, plugged yeah. into that to make it work. Yeah, exactly. I'll give you a good example. There's um, just recently we had quite a large event uh, with the Master Circle, and, and there was um, there was an, uh, there was like some fairly large purchases at at Staples, which 
turns out that they were like a ton of printing and signage and stuff that, that was being done there. And it wasn't just like computers and supplies where QuickBooks might say, well, that's a capitalized expense. It's a couple thousand dollars on some sort of like office equipment. But because the accountant knows that this event is going on for this specific group, they can, they, they, they can then go inquire with the people leading that event. Okay, what was that as opposed to just skimming over it? Like you have to have that kind of context and understanding of the business. And I think that the right bookkeeper will have enough interest in inquisition to go do that. Absolutely. So I'm really, I'm, I'm always big on explaining to people Computers are not taking over the accounting industry anytime soon. Right. And it's exactly for that reason. You know, what an accountant is really doing is is putting an accountant or a bookkeeper is really adding that context that a computer is not capable of. Computers are great at this point at reading receipts and pulling out dates and amounts. But the piece that we're talking about when we're talking about the context that they can't do a great example and something that I see all of the time happens with vendor accounts. So Sherwin-Williams is a great example for a lot of the painting contractors that we work with. Um, well, we'll see individual purchase orders and bills and things flowing through. And those things are being recorded as expenses as they come. But they're essentially being they're, they're being tracked on that store account. So when a lump payment comes out once a month to go pay off those mm. bills, it's very common for softwares or different kinds of rules and automations that people set up to double count these expenses. And that it, payment against the account. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly. comical, but it does happen. It happens a lot. And, yeah. um, and so that's one of those final pieces that whenever we're looking and we're putting this whole system of organization together, uh, a good bookkeeper is identifying those little red flags. You know, they know what to look out for to mm -hmm. say, hey, something here isn't quite right. We do need to dig a little bit deeper. That's a, exactly to your point. Exactly right, and this and the smart bookkeeper will know enough about the business and, and what's happening. They might know that you might be adding two more crews, and you've bought two sprayers. So if you've got, you know, a, a thirty-five hundred dollar expense from Sherwin Williams, where you've got sprayers that you've purchased from them, that's a different. That's into the fixed cost, into overhead, and it's not attached to a job. Exactly, and the cost of goods sold, right? But they can, they'll, they might know that because they know that you've been adding crews at that time or whatever it might be. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. So in summary. Good, uh, good bookkeepers, they're, they're thorough enough to ask the questions, to want to sort things into the right places, but they also, there's someone that cares about the context and to know enough about the business where they actually want to have an understanding of what's happening so that they, that they can apply that context to the data that they're seeing. It's very interesting. Um, let me ask you this, Morgan. So we've talked a bunch about what a good bookkeeper is doing. What are they not doing? Such a good question. Um, I would say in our time with building, um, trying to build a very rigorous and highly skilled bookkeeping staff, we actually have gone through several different phases of role design when we've realized that we essentially by asking bookkeepers to do too many different things, we're not setting them up for success. Mm -hmm. We've realized that there are different things that whenever you're doing something as detail oriented, that needs as much attention as all of the coding and the seeking out of information and like, you know, discerning for red flags. If you're pulling somebody who's doing that in a lot of other directions, especially if you're asking them to do things on the administrative side or the client facing side, mm -hmm. then you're, you really are just throwing too many things at them for them to really be successful in this area. That's right. incredibly important. Like if they're like the office secretary and they're the main admin person coordinating other stuff with the team and they're the bookkeeper and 
Right. Absolutely. And I would, I would say that a lot of the times when we see a scenario like that, it's probably because we're working with a business of a certain size where they, they kind of need somebody wearing a few different hats in the mm. office, right. which is very relatable. Yep. I think we can all understand that. But remember, we've spent some time talking about, you know, the ideal personalities that mm -hmm. kind of fit into and really excel in some of these roles. I very much think that somebody who's going to be really excellent at bookkeeping and they're going to be very motivated by it and feel a sense of achievement from doing that work. Um, it's typically not the kind of person who wants to do a lot of client facing work or juggling a lot of communications or chasing down invoices. You know, they really like to be focused in on producing a really high quality of work and getting something useful into a business owner's hands and being in a support role in that way. Right. Yeah. So they're not going to be the natural personality that's going to be answering all the incoming calls 25 times a day into the office. Hi, thank you for calling Grade A Painting. That's, they're not going to be that type, or they might not be the type that's going to be be not enjoy, but 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 be totally cool with all the conflict associated with chasing down AR Absolutely. on accounts that are aging, mm -hmm. or uh, going to the sales manager and saying, you know what, you expense this, but this doesn't really like fit the classification of what can Sorry, be dude. Yeah, yeah, totally. So it's different personality type, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you can't, you can't be in one of these roles where you kind of have to constantly pivot your attention to different things and be really good at kind of like focusing in on the coding and the accounting and the bookkeeping. Those two things are going to be diametrically opposed. Yeah. I see a lot of business owners do that. I think there's a, you're in this in-between phase. You're maybe not quite big enough to have a team handling this. So you have you have an office manager or a secretary who is actually managing inboxes, doing some stuff on the phone. They have other administrative tasks and then, oh, and they also do the bookkeeping off the side of their desk too. So I, I kind of wanted to ask you, like, could you break down the, the pros and cons of having like a, t having a bookkeeper in house versus outsourcing this to a third party? Like, are there, are there benefits and drawbacks to each? Absolutely. The way that I think about this and when I think about the pros and cons for each of these scenarios, we've touched on the fact that to truly be successful with the bookkeeping, somebody needs to understand enough about your business and the flow of transactions and understand the context of what's going on to be able to take a lot of this off of a business owner's hands. So I think that's inherently one of the big pros of trying to pull in somebody who's already part of your organization. Mm. They're already dialed into what's going on with your invoicing and your bill payments and stuff. So that's kind of, I think, where a lot of business owners are coming from that. And maybe they're trying to be more efficient with the staff, the human resources that they already have. But at the same time, that's also a con when we get to maybe concerns about they're not operating as efficiently in this area because they're not as specialized in the mm -hmm. bookkeeping realm or you're asking them to do too many different things that don't really neatly fit in together. Or the third piece would be oftentimes an office manager is responsible for managing a lot of the intake of money and deposits. They're responsible for a lot of outgoing payments and right. payroll. And that is um, inherently in conflict with a lot of the security protocols yeah. that we want to be really mindful of observing when it comes mm -hmm. to who's responsible for the actual recording of transactions. You want to yeah. separate those two individuals Absolutely. from a security perspective, right? Let's, yeah. let's spend a minute on that, actually, just on the security piece, because, you know, there's horror stories everywhere. This comes up all the time. Somebody's made off with a bunch of money. They've funneled it elsewhere. Um, you, we've heard that. So uh, you, yeah, so. they they get a call eighteen months like after after a bookkeeper left, and it's the IRS being like, "You owe us, you know, X amount of dollars," and they're like, mm -hmm. "I thought I've been paying the whole time." Like, there's a whole litany of things that can go wrong. Um, what are some like just 
generally speaking, best practices uh, when it comes to security? Yeah. So if I can roll that back slightly, let's talk a little bit about the risks that we're kind of incurring whenever this isn't being done fully properly. So one of the first risks is if we have somebody who's maybe a little bit more of a generalist, um, if they're an office manager that's kind of sort of familiar with QuickBooks and they're just trying to kind of yeah. put this stuff together. If they don't really understand the technical side of bookkeeping, bookkeeping is so, there's so much interplay between bookkeeping and accounting, but they're very different disciplines mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Like one is like a technical software execution piece. The other is a very legal oriented focus. But if there's not a really solid understanding of why we're doing things, like you kind of kept touching that point about why certain things are capitalized and they go mm -hmm. belong in these different categories. Then the first risk we run into is that simply by not understanding we can get the business into a lot of legal and financial trouble because things aren't being tracked properly. Right. They're not being filed properly. Expenses are being overstated or incomes being over or understated. So those are the kinds of things that can fly under the radar for a really long time. Because mm -hmm. essentially, from a business owner's perspective, if you are engaging with the reports, you can pull a profit and loss, you can pull a balance sheet, and it's going to look complete. But if you don't really understand the nuts and bolts of what goes into that, and you kind of look under the hood, as yeah. it were, um, you can essentially be dealing in sort of fabricated numbers and not really know that until it's too late and you've gotten yourself into a bit of a mess and it's really difficult to clean up at that point. Um, in that same vein, if you have somebody in the office, like you're tr maybe you're trying to be a little bit more efficient with your team, but they have what we call transactional privilege. If they're dealing with the transfer of money anywhere, the mm -hmm. intake of money, the paying of bills, you really don't want that to be the same person who's responsible for recording things because even if you as a business owner are looking at that and tracking that, it can be incredibly difficult to figure out when something is not as it should yeah. be. And this can be simply because of somebody who's well-intentioned but isn't doing things properly all the way over to people who are abusing the system and abusing the privilege. Um, so in terms of security, the big thing that you know we always caution business owners to be aware of is wherever means motive and opportunity, all three exist, there's going to be abuse at some point. Mm -hmm. And so we've got to be very thoughtful about removing that, the means for it. And so you want whoever is doing the tracking of the books and the final recording and the final reconciliations to be completely apart from that transactional piece. Separate. And if you're a smaller organization where you've kind of just got one office manager, you don't really have enough of a staff size to very neatly distinguish between those. And at that phase, I think it definitely makes sense to consider bringing in an outside service provider. Um, mm. Some of the cons to working with an outside service provider are, again, that understanding piece. Do they understand your business? Do they understand your vendors and the cycle of how things work and why you want reporting to look a certain way? A lot of accounting professionals that maybe do some bookkeeping Again, their focus is purely on the compliance side. They're not inherently interested in what you need for good operational decision making, um, and so that kind of that's going to be a really big disconnect there. They may not understand the nuts and bolts of what's going on with your business. Now, if you can find somebody, and that's something that we as a business have tried really hard to curate, is to be very strictly specialized in particular industries, so that we can create that value for business owners. Um, if you can find somebody that you know checks that mark. The other potential benefit to working with an outside service provider, you've got that security piece taken care of if they understand the business. Then that third piece is that it can be incredibly consistent. So if you have somebody 
in house, mm-hmm. if they're doing different things, or if you have an employee that transitions out for some reason suddenly, um, then that can be really difficult to hire for the skill sets that are needed to do bookkeeping and accounting work really effectively. It can be very difficult to train for it. If you find somebody who's a good culture fit, training somebody up in this is difficult. You mm-hmm. know, people make full you careers. You don't get it yourself. Sometimes that, and sometimes it's just a time thing, or it's it's mm-hmm. comprehensive. You know, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, and then the last piece is controlling for the quality is really difficult as the business owner. So it can be really, really hard to manage that, those three pieces in-house with the flow of team and employees coming and Mm. going. Whereas if you work with an outside service provider, the hope there is that they are incredibly consistent. They've got, you know, levels of redundancy built in to make sure that the maintenance of your financials is always going to be really consistent. Yeah. It's a huge benefit on on the outsource side of it, just knowing that it's taken care of and that you're, you are working with someone who's both like educated and, and we know is educated in the field, but there's also someone overseeing it like on the account side that is going to handle any kind of transitions within there that is going to be doing the quality control, all that kind of stuff. It's just like a peace of mind of, I know it's getting done right, which, which is, which is neat. I want to highlight just stepping back. Um, that security thing you mentioned is, is I think such an important point. Um, and, and, and it is a very simple point too. Like the, um, the people, the person that is pressing the button to execute a transaction of money going out should be a different person that's reporting on it and saying, here's where yeah. the money went out. That, that's, I think, as, that, as simple as that point is, but it's, that's a super important thing, I think, for mm-hmm. listeners to internalize. Those two roles should be separated because then they can't, the bookkeeper cannot initiate a transaction, but then hide it in somewhere if two different people are doing it. And that's a really key piece too of why we do accounting the way that we do it. I think a lot of people maybe don't, they probably the historical context is lost on a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But when we talk about double entry accounting, that's what we're talking about is that it's a check and a balance. Every single thing that's entered into the books is being entered in basically in two ways so that you're constantly seeing the in and out and it's every single thing is being checked in multiple places. So it's a a little bit strange and nebulous, yeah. but that's exactly the purpose of why it's done the way that it's done. Do you have any thoughts on um, just doing stuff for cash? Like, is that a, is that a, are you are you inviting trouble by doing that? So much so. I feel like we have a whole other conversation ahead of us sometime about like kind of the nitty gritty about some of these security concerns. But cash handling is an incredibly problematic part of business, not only because it's really difficult to track, but because it opens you up to so much potential abuse. So if you're going to be doing cash handling in the business and doing it well, there are a lot of very strict systems and procedures that really should be put in place as far as having, you know, a safe in the office. And there's only, there's always, you know, two different people that are always handling the cash together, signing off on it together every single time it's changing places. You it need seems mold. like such a huge pain in the ass. It's a huge <laughs> pain in the ass. Put it on the credit card. Yeah, <laughs> put it on the credit card. Um, you get a lot of consumer protections on the credit card. It's great. So yeah, yeah that's one piece of many that um, it's just a headache and you you know, you know don't want to deal with it. Yeah, I, I sometimes do get asked. Of, like, so we spend hundreds, literally hundreds of thousands of dollars a year on credit card processing fees. Mm-hmm. And I look at it as such a good spend from an efficiency perspective, right. from mm-hmm. a security perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, every dollar of revenue goes through credit cards. And it's something people are like, why, why in the world would you do that? 
But having done it that way for many, many years, I just, I looked back at it and I'm like, it's so clean. It's so secure. And and it's it's so simple. Fast. You know, we know time is money. You know, the amount of time that it takes somebody to pay you, don't make it hard for people to pay you because you're trying to decrease processing fees. That's Hmm. my number one pet peeve. Make the money flow. Lubricate it, let it roll. Absolutely. And that last piece while we're talking about um, the security measures as well. Um, Shoot, I lost it. I lost what I was going to say. It'll come back. Don't It'll worry. come back. Um, it, one other thing I do want to come back to really quick is is just on on this note of what bookkeepers aren't doing. I think um, we talked previously a bit about this interpretation piece. Like that's really the role of a leader in a business to interpret data. I think you know, generally speaking, you shouldn't be relying on a bookkeeper to be interpreting data and coming to conclusions for you. Maybe if you have a very very highly paid CFO in a larger business, but typically. A bookkeeper is not interpreting data and coming to business conclusions and strategy, right? I agree with that fully. Um, Like I mentioned, the personality types, I think, that really do well and excel in a bookkeeping role are really excellent at following a process um, to its conclusion, holding everybody accountable to that. And I think also is acting in some ways as the devil's advocate in some ways for whenever people want to deviate from those processes. So that's those are all really vital functions in the business. But I think that it's a little unfair to take somebody who's really excelling in that and kind of ask them to, you know, ask a fish to climb a tree, as it were, mm-hmm. whenever <laughs> you're asking them to, hey, what are the, you know, the greater overarching implications of mm-hmm. our cost of goods sold spend? It's like, that's not, that's the not their sphere. job. No, that's not yeah. the sphere that they're operating. Yeah. Give me the right data. Give it to me on I will time. Make the decision. Yeah, exactly. Give it to me on time and accurate yeah. where I know it's perfectly done well because you're the one that wants to dot all the I's and cross the T's mm-hmm. so that I can make the right decisions. Mm-hmm. Right. And while we're touching on that, I think that's a really key piece too of if we're trying to work on this communication between bookkeeping staff and business owners. Um, bookkeepers, I think business owners can feel this way. And I think bookkeepers can feel this way too, that they, it might not always be easy to see the usefulness, the utility of what they're doing. And I think when you as a business owner can articulate that to your Mm -hmm. team about how much they're making your job easier because they're giving you good information to make good decisions, that's a really great way to reinforce it for yourself, but reinforce it for them that this is the purpose Mm -hmm. of what they're doing. This is what they're pulling all of these pieces together so that you're more informed and you can be a better leader. 100%, 100%. And on that note, here's here's a really important piece I'd love to get into is when this is being done right, uh, what does it look like from the business owner's perspective? What am I involved with and what am I not involved with? And what does that cyclical cadence look like? Mm-hmm. At the beginning, like we mentioned before, you are responsible as the business owner for making sure that these channels of information are flowing to the bookkeeper mm-hmm. consistently. So designing those processes, um, in my opinion, my, my biggest advice in that area is let's make this as easy as possible on everybody to get that information in the bookkeeper's hands. Again, that's the reason why why handling cash isn't great, or if you can work with vendors that have good online reporting systems. There's so much technology. Things for this. are digital. Yeah. It's so much easier. It's going to be way easier to hold your team accountable to bringing this information to the bookkeeper if you're not expecting them to juggle receipts on the floorboard right. of their vans. 100%. Um, so again, that's kind of you know from the initial setup process, keeping everybody accountable to this system of getting information to the bookkeeper. But then beyond that, aside from the couple of security pieces that you as a business owner have access to these final statements and you pull those once a month, that's a very 
minimal amount of effort and time that you should have to commit each month to kind of getting some of that information in your bookkeeping staff's hands. And then other than that, I think, you know, being accessible at a couple of discrete points in the month to answer some of these context questions that you may be the only person who can really provide that clarity. But again, setting this expectation with your team that they need to be concise and they need to bring it to you in a way that's um, very specific about what they're looking for from you so that it can be an efficient use of your time and their time. And then the last piece is that, you know, you're the one who engages with the reporting. You're the one who looks yeah. at it and can interpret what that means for the business overall, or that you're working with an advisor or consultant or a coach to um, help pull all of those pieces together. Since, you know, as some of the business owners that I work with are fond of saying, looking at financial reports is like reading Greek to them sometimes, right. which is fair enough. But, you know, you should you do need to be the one looking at that, but pull in some people to assist and make that, you know, more useful for you. Yeah. Um, so in my, my process that I've, uh, that we've implemented for, for quite some time, um, uh, has been so powerful and such a, a key part of our success, I think. So how I do it is I have one standing block a month. It's pre-scheduled for the monthly financial review. It's kind of like the 10th to the 15th of the month or so. And so if this is like the 12th of March, we're reviewing February and it's a five hour block in my calendar. So it's five hours a month, it's there every month and I'm there doing the previous month's financial review. And um, and I've been working with ours for a very, very long time. So there's a huge amount of trust there and we've got a really good rhythm, but I know that the reports coming in are like 99.5% dialed and I'll review them. And we review the income statement, the budget versus actuals. And every now and then there'll be like a question or a change that I'll kind of make as we go through it. Mm. I'll review AR, AP. And within that really short period of time, I've got a really great time block. So it's it's pretty amazing. That That's really the extent of my involvement. It's five hours a month. That's it. Every now and then I might take a couple like transaction specific questions. I might, you know, I'll double check some reports, but that's that's the, the start and end of my financial involvement. I'm not even looking at bank accounts, nothing. And let's reinforce the purpose behind this, right? Whenever you as a business owner are engaging with the financial reports, what we're trying to do here is we're maximizing the utility of this system of organization so that you're, use it as a red flagging system, yeah. right? That's the first order of operations that I like to tell business owners before you're getting into long-term strategic planning and comparing it to your plans be screening your business routinely for signs of cancer, signs of mm -hmm. things that are not going as they should be. So we're really trying to expedite the rate of feedback, which is why it's so important to be doing this consistently, timely, and with enough detail that if you are looking through something and you find a red flag, mm -hmm. you want to be able to start drilling down into that. And totally. you should be able to do that in your reporting inside your accounting system. You know, we're starting with a high level view so that you can say that thing, you know, compared Compared mm -hmm. to my industry benchmarks, to my peer group, I know that this isn't it's where a it's symptoms. Yeah. Exactly. And so then we start drilling down into it and then we can identify either this needs more scrutiny or it needs an adjustment on the operational side. And so whenever you get to that point where the business is operating really well and your accounting system is dialed in really nicely, you suddenly have the ability to kind of relax into this a little bit more yeah. as a business owner, not because you have this expectation that the business is just going to run perfectly from here on out, but you have the safety of knowing that when something goes awry, which it inevitably is going to, you're going to see it a lot faster. It, totally. yeah. So we're preventing fires instead of tr constantly trying to put yeah. fires out. Yeah, exactly. So if I, if I kept putting off that, that 
February financial review in March and I let it go to April and then May and into June and maybe I look at all these months in July, A, I'm going to be so swamped and overwhelmed because this is now going to be like a 20-hour financial review yeah. of all those mm-hmm. months and the issues that I should have caught back in have March had months to have had months yep. to fester yeah. and on top of that, what you're seeing is a symptom typically of a much broader issue that's going to take a lot of time to fix. If you see it in July, it's going to be like October by the time you deal with it. Mm-hmm. And the majority of the year has gone by. So mm-hmm. I think if you're listening to this and you don't have a great cadence and structure of well put together data for a monthly financial review where you're with your bookkeeper every single month at least doing a financial review i think that your system and potentially the the bookkeeper themselves needs to be looked at the chances if you are doing that the chances that you're going to make a bad business decision there's going to be something fraudulent go on you're going to be late on ar or ap you'll get a call from the irs you have a cash crunch the chances of these scary situations happening plummets Mm -hmm. so you're safer and yet honestly Guys, I'm like I'm blown away at how often when I when I'm assessing a business and I'll be like, can, just like, what was your revenue last year? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not I'm not I'm not asking for like a can, can I get like a what's your current gross profit margin on this specific type of job you do? Like, I'm not asking for granular data. I'm not like macro, and they're mm-hmm. like, um, I'd have to I'd have to check. Wow, yeah. interesting, right? Like, it's like. So it's, it's, it's a, you know, if you're listening to this, you're yeah. like, that's me. It's just, we're giving you a gentle nudge. Like mm-hmm. that should be a bit of an alarm bell for yeah. you. And I'll tell you this, uh, there's another side benefit that I've noticed of so many years of doing monthly financial reviews without fail, kind of on the dot every month is, is it's very interesting. I've, uh, you almost get ingrained through osmosis. I know the numbers so well, cause I just, mm-hmm. I look at them. I look at the percentages. I'm constantly looking at the budget versus actuals every month. Mm-hmm. I know my numbers like this and, and it just happens. It's not even cause I'm trying to, I've just done it for so many years every yeah. month. It, it makes you be able to, 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 kind of understand and pick up on trends. You kind of see patterns, good and bad, very quickly. Mm-hmm. And you don't even have to try. It just happens through osmosis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? And and again, it is so common for this to not be working well for a lot of businesses. Mm-hmm. And so I we really need to keep turning the conversation back around to you're not atypical. You know, if you if you're the business owner who does not look at your accounting and think, oh, I'm breathing a huge sigh of relief because it's beautiful and I understand yeah. every bit of what's happening yeah, in the business, you're in the majority. And so we need to really, you know, shed some of that guilt around how we're managing these systems because nobody expects of you. I'm very, I love telling my team this. Nobody expects you to be perfect. They don't expect you to know the answer to every little thing. The business is never going to be without issue. But what we really need to do here is be paying close enough attention that we can flag those things as soon as possible. So things are always going, there's always going to be hiccups, but making sure that we're we're tuned in enough that we can address those problems sooner rather than later is really important. And to do that effectively, we do have to let go of some of the baggage around the negative feeling of looking at what's going on in the business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's there's there's two things. It's 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 shed the shed the guilt or lose the stigma or, or just know that you're not alone. Because mm-hmm. I I'm telling you, like this is like the majority <laughs> of people I talk to. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, it's just like know that there's help. Like there there are resources for this. There you know there's you don't Morgan, need to figure it out all on your own. No, 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 not at all. No. It would be insane yeah, to it's think. It's like that. trying to 
it, be your own lawyer. Right. Yeah, it's ridiculous. You don't need to do. Yeah. You don't need to be that. Take Absolutely. the pressure off. Yeah, um, Morgan. Let me ask you this: um, When this is being done right, what does it feel like for business owners? Um, you know, I can I can definitely speak to a few points on it. But what are these feelings like when you truly have this dialed in? What's happening for someone? I have a lot of business owners that sit down in financial review meetings, and they voice to me that it feels very therapeutic in a lot of ways. And mm -hmm. I think that comes from, on one hand, they've addressed a lot of these kind of emotional concerns about what's going on financially with the business. And one way or the other, whether the business is doing really well or there are some struggling points, the clarity that you get from good reporting is incredibly useful because as a business owner, you can breathe a sigh of relief in knowing that at least you understand what's going on in the business. You need that before you can create a solution, before mm -hmm. you can try to address it. Um, and I think also when things are going really well, there's a huge easing of burden around you don't have to be the only one constantly on the vigilant night watch looking mm -hmm. for the next problem in the night. You know, you, you have a system in place to help you identify when something isn't going the way that you want it to yeah. so that you can address it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I'll tell you, like, from my own uh, very firsthand perspective, like, I, I deal with a lot of business problems. I deal with a lot of challenges and complexities, but money and financials are never one of them. Like, I don't, like, I, I, I sleep well at night because I, I don't think about dollars ever, mm. whether it's it's the cash side or the, or, or the, the counting and tracking side, because I just, I review it once a month and I know the numbers are accurate. And we have, there's an annual budget, but that annual budget's broken down per month, right? So there's a, you know, as we talked about using the example, there's a February budget. Mm -hmm. And in March, I'm reviewing the, the the budget against the actual very tangible results. And I can, and I know that if we've hit that month and we've hit the next month and we hit the next month, I know that my plan is taking me for a successful year end. Mm. So you can sl sleep easy at night because you're getting the right data and you're keeping the business on track 12 times a year. When you're saying that, it's actually reminding me of, so one of the really big things that we see with contractors and business owners in general is this managing to the bank accounts, right? So if we mm. don't if we don't have the accounting system in place, we're just looking at the bank account balances. And I've got lots of cash. Exactly. Owners, <laughs> owners are using that as a touch point where they're yeah. like, I'm good. Like I can rest easy because I'm good there. But we know that that's really not a complete picture of what's going on with the business at all. And so I kind of think of this like this is one of the big reasons why people shy away from really getting their accounting handled. Because if you're managing from the bank account, it can feel good. You know, you've got money. Yeah. You're fine. You're paying yourself. You might not know exactly what you're going to owe in taxes in the spring, but that's a problem for a later day. It's kind of like those people who avoid going to the dentist because mm -hmm. it's like, my teeth feel fine right now, and I don't want to be told that they need yeah. work. Um, so that's a really big thing. That's it's the cautionary tale. You know, we totally. want to be careful that we're not avoiding this because you're creating a false sense of security for yourself. Yeah. I think it's a very healthy trait to have basically no attachment to cash. Mm -hmm. and, and it's just it's a number like mm -hmm. I, I can look at it and I literally just feel nothing. I'm just like it, it really doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. What matters is what your monthly income st statement looks like as compared to the budget and the plan for that month. And to be able to diagnose in there like that, that's what you should really care about. 
Cash is just a number. Forget about it. Yeah. That's like the nirvana of business ownership <laughs> that you have just outlined. It's like, I feel like everyone needs to undertake a meditative practice to get to the point where they're like, the cash is irrelevant. <laughs> Completely irrelevant. hundred percent. Let it that. go. Let it go. <laughs> Let it go. Right. Um, Let the fear good. flow through you. And hundred <laughs> percent. Um, I want to just highlight a great point, uh, that, that you and Morgan, you and I, Morgan have, have spoken about previously is, is I think what you should care about and, and have an attachment to is the, those results against the budget and specifically look at that and your diagnosis of it as like a fire prevention technique mm -hmm. as opposed to being a firefighter later when these issues blow up. Because if mm -hmm. in a certain month you're like, wait a second, our gross profit has dropped 6% below plan and it's all because material spends are high. Mm -hmm. Why is that? And you're and you're looking at a symptom like like you've not figured it out. You're like, hey, well, what's happening? Is my estimator completely checked out? And by the way, they have been three months ago because so that's when they estimate. You're so yeah. downstream. Yeah. Is uh. it something going on with the painters? Is it with the production manager? Is it? You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. you have to be able to look at it as this like prevention mechanism and not just just find out six months too late and then you're like running yes. around like a firefighter mm -hmm. yes. trying to put out fires all the time. So the prevention mechanism is a really key piece and it's the immediate tangible benefit that you get whenever you start figuring these systems out. But then the next piece, when we get into strategic management and planning, this is a very large experiment that we're running. Mm -hmm. Everybody is running. You've got, you've got your own lab as the mad scientist business owner happening with your business. Um, and whenever you're trying to grow or you're trying to get to a different point than you have been, you've got to make changes and we've got to be very mindful of what the impact of those changes are. Did it work? You know, did it have the intended effect? Um, and that's the piece where when you're really dialed into your financials, any change that you make from an operational perspective, whether mm -hmm. it's a person, it's a role change, it's a new revenue stream, these are all variables that yeah. are, you know, being that are playing into this grand experiment. Um, and you've got to be paying very close attention to what the impact of those changes are. And you've got to be thinking forward about what I'm going to make a, a small change here. What do I expect this to look like in three months as a result? Mm -hmm. Did it work? Am I touching, am I touching base with this routinely to understand the impact of my actions? Mm -hmm. So that's where we get into this isn't just about looking back in time. It's very much yeah. forward thinking when you're doing yeah. it right. I'll just touch on the, how it feels. Cause I, I think of a lot of our, our high performing BTA members. Um, they're, they feel more decisive. They're able, like they're, they're true shot callers. They're like, yeah, I can make a decision here pretty easily because I have the data. I, I, I do confident the work. With they're it. super confident. No analysis paralysis. Exactly. Mm -hmm. they're, they're very strategic in their thinking. So they have, because this is looked after, they can really like spend time formulating a vision five years out. And the last thing is like, it's fun for them. They've mm -hmm. gamified their business, mm. right? Like you say, like you're emotionless about it. Like they're just like, oh, I, th I think I want to, expand into this new market could be fun. Mm -hmm. Like that's like, that's literally like, that's the attitude towards it. And I think because that has, you know, because they know. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's ultimately just like a scoreboard that they're looking at like 100%. their fantasy football app. They're just like, yeah, it's like, maybe I'll make this trade. Like that's, that's how they treat their business. It's quite, it's quite cool. It's quite an empowered place yeah. to operate from. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And I'll close that point. Uh, with a neat stat that I learned about quite a number of years ago. And that is the following. Uh, more CEOs of large publicly traded companies. So when you look at large publicly traded companies in North America, the most common career, like an education background mm -hmm. of high level strategists is as an accountant. 
right? So to your point, like if, when you understand your numbers and you feel really confident in knowing where your business is at, being able to diagnose issues early, you are so much more capable to strategize effectively, to call the right shots, all that kind of stuff. So it is, it is, it is very interesting. So we've talked about a lot of cool stuff, Morgan. This has been really good. We've talked a bit, a lot about like what a bookkeeper should be doing, what they shouldn't be doing, where the risk areas are, what your relationship and your cadence with them should look like in these monthly financial reviews. So if someone is watching this right now or listening to it and saying, ah, you know, we've got, I think we've got a bit of a problem somewhere either like it's okay, but it's not great. Like I don't, I don't feel super confident about my data or the relationship I have and the confidence in my bookkeeper, or you're looking at this and saying, no, this is like a total mess for me right now. Um, the, you know, I think it is really advisable to go spend some time and money to solve this problem. It's yeah. so foundational. So if someone is doing that, Morgan, what are the, what would you say are like the top two or three traits that they need to be looking for when they're qualifying potential accountants and bookkeepers? Yeah, it's a, it's going to be a little bit of a mix of traits and then also structuring this role for success. So I feel like we've touched on a lot of the pieces that kind of funnel into that, but to summarize that, you know, the first piece is making sure that we've designed this role in a way that whoever is being put into that can be successful. Um, and you're going to want to be really mindful. I would say, especially of their, their technical skill set. you know, Bookkeeping is a discipline in and of itself. It's very closely related to accounting, which is, again, another discipline. You can't take somebody who doesn't have a background mm -hmm. in one or the other of those things and expect them to be proficient mm -hmm. in this. Mm -hmm. It's going to be very hard. To Are they a true professional? Right. And and can you do you as a business owner have the capacity to train somebody to oh. understand that? It's unlikely. <laughs> so that's one piece is understanding the kind of the purpose and the drive and how these different pieces fit together, but also just you know, they have to be very technically proficient in the softwares that you're using. Um, a big thing that I love to bring to people's attention is that something like QuickBooks Desktop as an accounting software, dramatically different than QuickBooks Online. You wouldn't think that. And a lot of people, a lot of professionals in this space might feel like their skill sets transition pretty well from one to the other. Let me tell you that that's not the case. Right. So you want to find somebody who is very dialed into whatever system that you're using. And if you need to make a change, if you're converting from one system to another for whatever reason, you're going to need to reanalyze the way that you're doing things. Mm -hmm. You know, the same human resources aren't going to get you to that next right. phase. So technical skill set, building out the role and the expectations around the role in a way that everyone is set up for success. Um, again, a piece of that is going to be your bookkeeper needs to be familiar enough with your industry to provide that context. The context mm -hmm. is the really key piece here. It's what sets them apart from the computer that's reading receipts. And then that last piece is communication. And, and you know, again, that, that pulls in together all of the other pieces, setting up the role, clear expectations, but you as a business owner, being very clear on what you need from them, um, how, how they can achieve your goals for them, um, tying it together for them, what success looks like, and then bringing in your expectations for what you, what you need out of your accounting system. Yeah, it's a really great point. Like a lot of people are, oh man, I got to go see my accountant. This sucks. Or I got to have yeah, this meeting yeah. with my bookkeeper. I'll tell you, I truly enjoy my meetings with our accountant and, and, and bookkeeper, we go financial controller in, in, in our case, but we've had Ben Dixon on the show. He's a super cool guy. Like I love going to his office and pouring a glass of scotch 
and catching up on on a bunch of the stuff in the year. Like like he he's technically very skilled and he's super cool and awesome. It can be that way. Like it's not like going to the dentist for you. These these people do exist. Yeah. Right. I don't mind the dentist either, (laughs) but but these people do exist, right? So relationally, so just to summarize Morgan's points. So relationally, it's got to be good like like you got to actually have some level of enjoyment of spending time with them because you will every single month um they got to be a real pro as opposed to just wilma down the street who can do your books if you know mm-hmm. just because she happens to be there mm-hmm. and and they got to be able to know enough about your business and be specialized in exactly what you do or be able to pick it up and understand it mm-hmm. so it's awesome. Um, great, guys. This has been such a good chat. Morgan, uh, on the note of being specialized in industry, uh, if people want to find out more about you, connect with you, chat with you, spend an hour unpacking some of this stuff, where can they find you? Absolutely. So we've got business therapy sessions um, on the docket <laughs> over at Bookkeeping for Trades. So our website's bookkeepingfortrades.com, double O, double K, double E, because bookkeeping is a weird word. Amazing. <laughs> we'll put a link in the description too. Absolutely. A link in the description. Morgan, thank you so much for flying all the way from Nevada to hang out with us here today and joining us on the show. Thank, thank you, you guys for having me. Painted podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and is made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.